0: Lock,
1: talk radio.
0: Welcome to the Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Phil he. I am your host, Annie, um, and uh, I'm not here with my other counterparts, but I'm here with um, someone else who's pretty important. He. Um, that's his background noise, by the way, not mine. Oh, I'm um, sorry about that. It's okay. Usually, our other host, Kyle, he has background noise, so it's kind of funny. Like, he's lived in San Francisco. And he's also lived in um New York where he lives now. And every single time he signs on, we hear sirens. So I don't oh, think yeah. follow him, but yeah. So we're used
0: to it. See, so I, I'm um, coming live from I'm coming live from the comedy studio bar in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So there will be frequent people walking through the background of the show.
1: It's fine. So this is my West Coast husband. His name is Brian Lu. Say hello, my love.
0: <laughs> You're so sweet Thank you, Emily <laughs>
1: um, So If some of you don't know who Brian is He is a comedian He's pretty damn funny if you look him up on YouTube He does what My favorite is called uh, Observational comedy Where he takes like everyday things And he like makes them
0: insanely funny um,
1: yeah,
0: I, I can't I even think to, of one take- thing But well, I try to just take stories and stories and experiences from my life that I think can generalize to other people, and you know, sometimes it's just flat out storytelling, and uh, and with a little bit of observational humor in the middle of it. And I kind of like—I've always been a fan of storytelling anyway. I think it's an Irish heritage, but and we're all a bunch of storytellers, so I feel like you can embed jokes into stories, but it's really—it's fun when people feel like they can be there with you in paint in whatever picture you can paint and feel the things that you experience, things like that. So that's my favorite type of humor. So that's what I try to do.
1: Right, right. And it's funny. The way he tells it, he's so, like, animated. And I don't know, I just, I love the way he tells the story. But how we met is, um, we were just talking about this before air. So... um, Yeah, because I want to hear your version of the story.
0: I want to hear your version of the (laughs) story. I want to tell what I know. So, you go first.
1: So, my other co-host, his name is Doug. He's the one that kind of got me into hosting and all that stuff. He's like, I'm going to have Patrick Mood who's Brian's younger brother. And he says, um, we're going to talk about unhung, unhung Heroes. So, watch the movie. So, anyone who knows me knows I love watching movies. So, as I'm watching the movie, I'm looking around in the background because that's how I am. I'm a people watcher. I do it all the time. So, There's one scene where um, Patrick is at home, and he's, like, talking to his his family about his small penis. And all of a sudden, I see this tall drink of water with a backwards cap, and I'm like, who the hell is that? And I'm, like, drooling over the guy. The rest of the the movie, I'm like, can we bring him back? Can we tell a story about him? Like, didn't know who he was. So, I think I may have mentioned it on air when I ended up um talking to Patrick and I'm like, Who the hell is that guy? Is that your brother Brian? And he's like, Yeah, you should follow him on um Instagram and Twitter. Oh I think I I can't remember if I talked to him on air about it or if I talked to him on Facebook. But either well, way he told me to you,
0: follow you. Uh, yeah, I know you guys talked on air about his movie. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and then, you know, then uh, I appreciated you following me on social media and um, you're, you know, I've, I'm i interested in the things that you do from an artistic standpoint with writing and things. Now, my brother mm-hmm. told me, and tell me if this is an unverified claim. My, oh brother God, told me, my brother told me that you guys tried to blow him up a little bit because you thought the movie was 100% fake. I totally did. I'm not going to lie to you. I completely said <laughs> to him,
1: and that's the first thing I said. I said, You know, I've watched this movie. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think you're kinda of acting. And he mm, goes, no, it's real and I'm like, mm, I don't know. Well
0: I don't think he don't a- he is an he is an actor, so you know yeah. it's a weird it's a weird parallel because he is an actor who did this movie um about yeah. himself. But I could right. see your there hasn't been. Plus, You know, there, anything comes out like that. There has to be people who are, I don't want to say haters because that's an inappropriate way to characterize it, but you're skeptical. You're not skeptical. just going to jump mm-hmm. in fully. And I, like I know it. when the movie, and, and I'll be honest, when the movie premiered at South by Southwest, I had no idea what to expect because we had shot, and I had been involved in a lot more scenes than the scene that you were involved in. One reason I got cut yeah. out of the film is because I ran a marathon in between their filming time and I lost like 20 pounds or 15 pounds. So I looked, a lot. Uh, they so they couldn't. They couldn't. Um, it just didn't match up with the footage, and it just looked weird. Um, but uh, I didn't know what to expect at all, and I went into the movie. Mm-hmm. My mom was there. We were all there in Austin, Texas, and it's sold out theater. And I went. In, I remember going in, saying, you know, no matter what happens, I'm going to tell them I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then, to my surprise, I don't want to say surprise. You really did. Like yeah, it's really funny, and he does yeah. a really good job, and he um, and he and he interviews some really interesting people, and it becomes,
1: you know, mm-hmm. by the end of the
0: movie, it becomes so much more about, uh, mm-hmm. so much more than just his his penis size insecurities. It becomes yeah. a, a movie about a greater picture of male insecurity and how it's existed forever. Mm-hmm. Which means, yeah. you ladies, you ladies, got to ease up on us. This has been happening for thousands of years, and I think it's time to stop. Right? Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Are you talking to other people and not
0: me? Because you are a king man. I don't want to hear I this you, ladies. <laughs> I said you ladies. I'm, that's a culture. That's a cultural statement right now. Okay. All, All right. the ladies in the All world. Right. You got to ease up. You got to ease up on the old on the old penis size stuff. Otherwise, one's gonna stop. You know, there's there's cave drawings that show insecurity. So. But I did. I was honest with them.
1: I did tell them I don't care how big your penis is, but your butt is amazing. Your family has like the nicest set of bucks on men ever. Like, it's insane. <laughs> Except your old, your um, younger brother Killian. I don't, I don't really like. Is it Killian or Killian With an N? Killian
0: with an N. Killian. Killian Moot. Okay. He's a. Killian Moot um, is a. And, and you know what's funny? He he elected not to be part of the movie because he works in. I noticed. Um, yeah. Human sex tra. He works in like anti-human sex trafficking, and he works um, in policy. He works a little. He works for the UN at times, and right. things. And uh, you, uh, it was one of those things that going, when Pat was going in to shoot the movie, Killian didn't have any idea what it was going to be about. And he was like, you know, I don't know. Mm. I, not that I don't support you, but I don't know what this whole thing is going to end up cutting up to look like. And I right. would really rather right. not be involved. So he ends up being the Osborne child that never got famous.
1: Exactly. Amy Osborne, we'll call him
0: from now on. But he's
1: just mm-hmm. as cute as the rest of you.
0: He's a good looking guy.
1: So, so I thought the order of. Um, people went like this. I thought it was. Um, wait, what did I tell you before? I thought. I think I thought Pat was the oldest, and then Killian, and then you. I thought you were the youngest. Oh yeah, and a lot of people do think that. Not how it goes at all. It goes you, Pat, and Killian. I was shocked. Pat yeah, it carried is himself. It's so much older than you. He can't like he doesn't look old. He
0: carried himself sure i mean i think it's the nature of um i mean i think if you got into the things i've done outside of show business you'd probably mm-hmm. you'd probably reverse that order a little bit um okay. just based on things that we've done but but as a comedian you you carry yourself you know in video and in pictures and stuff mm-hmm. it's a little silly it's silly because you're trying to make people laugh and you're being sarcastic and you're being kind of goofy and and I kind of my my comedic voice whether it's on the radio when i'm doing that or um on on stage for stand up is I try to play I dumb it down a little bit as far as who my personal intelligence. I kinda I kinda play it up a little bit mm-hmm. I'm a, i am like to be a fun storyteller and it's no fun if you're a, a know it all, you gotta get a not know thing right. like to be a funny storyteller. Well to get into your background a little bit, you are very intelligent
1: actually. Um you and what, what kind of endured me to you is well first of all this guy is like insanely gorgeous. Like every time I show your picture to somebody, like, oh, this is my Coast husband. They're like, those <laughs> eyes are amazing. They're obsessed with your eyes. He's got like, I don't. It's not even like a I, a regular blue color. It's like a ocean blue eyes. I've never seen this
0: before. They're they're definitely bright blue. I didn't, and I'm the only one yeah. in the family with blue eyes. Usually everyone else has a hazel, yeah. or you know, they can yep. look a little blue. I do you know I don't yep. I never really noticed my eye color until cell phones and social media and pictures because you know oh. in the 80s and right. 90s you never you never see your eyes that much because you do it, no. it's in photographs no. so you, you someone takes a picture and it gets developed six months later or never so. so then your eyes turn red remember the devil red thing yes that's definitely another thing <laughs> and that's probably why I didn't. I didn't even know I had blue eyes <laughs> until cell phones, until selfies came around.
1: So, speaking of you growing up, you grew
0: up in Seattle, correct? Well, we grew up on Whidbey Island, which is forty oh, about okay. 40 minutes north of Seattle, and you take a ferry boat. It's a, ve- it's a very okay. different landscape than Seattle. It's not urban mm-hmm. at all, it's very rural. We grew up on kind of a little farm with horses and pigs and chickens.
1: Okay. Now, I live. Your throwback Thursday pictures, because this guy, in any picture, he looks like a younger version of him or Leonardo DiCaprio from Growing Pains. Ha, ha, it's insane ha, ha, how much he looks like. So when he has his brown hair and like in, like, his high school days, he kind of looks yeah. like him but younger, you know. and He was a bit chunkier, which was so freaking adorable. Um,
0: I, oh, that he I hated that. Pictures. Oh, I oh yeah, I, I got it. I, you know what? I'm going to get back onto that. I used to do that every Friday. Yeah. I would post a picture of myself when I used to be. And I wouldn't say I was obese, but I was definitely no, heavier weren't. than. you weren't. You had baby fat. Heavier than baby I was. Yeah, that? I, was a, I, was a, I looked like I could be playing football instead of basketball right. at the time. So, Right. But then, like, your
1: younger pictures where you're, like, 10 and 11, you've got this blue bright blue eyes, blonde hair, and I swear to God, I'm like, is he posting a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio? The first time I saw it, I'm like, why is he posting a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio? I was just so confused, and then i looked look at it, and I'm like, holy shit, that's
0: him. I've yeah, never I seen anything a, like that before. I have a lot of pictures where I look like I'm taking life very seriously as a child. And I was, yeah. I was, oh, and I was yeah. kind of You're a goofy right. kid, too, but I was a little strange, but um, I think yeah. the ones that people have have post, have sent me, they always think I just look like I'm a, just deep and artsy thought.
1: You're never smiling in those pictures.
0: I've I've not seen no. one
1: smiling little Brian picture.
0: Um, I know I have but them, but funny funny I, don't, is, I gotta find them.
1: What's funny is your godson is like you, but with dark hair. He's got the, the goofy personality. He almost looks like you. I'm like, did you have a kid and not
0: tell anybody? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind you know, of it's funny, funny. <laughs> that, that, that is a rumor when you grow up in a small town. So I don't have a child. but <laughs> The little boy's name is Ray. His name is Ray, yeah. and he lives with he he lives part time with my mother. My mother takes care of him part time, and he lives with his dad part time. Mm-hmm. But his mother was a good friend of mine from high school, and she came on hard times um, with um, some mental health and drug addiction issues, and she. She doesn't right. have she she visits him every once in a while but she's just not she's she's not in his life right now in a full time capacity. Now I don't want to say that she never will be because I don't know the future but right. right now she's not. And um and he's an awesome little dude, but when you live in a small town, everybody the rumors fly. And they're like, Why does this little boy live with Joanne Keith? Right. And what are which one of her sons is responsible for this?
1: I would say Brian At this
0: this point my mom would tell you She wished wished it was an irresponsible Early 20s decision of mine But it wasn't Unfortunately it wasn't Because I would take him I think he's amazing He's an amazing little guy Yeah
1: And uh, I just want to say It takes a strong Confident woman To to admit that You know what I had this kid I love him to death But I don't want to, I, I can't take care of him the way that he needs to be taken sure. care of.
0: You know, it takes sure, a strong yeah.
1: person to admit that. So I just want to give yeah, her and, a compliment because that's amazing.
0: Yeah, and she's, and she's um, trying. She's doing the best she can yeah. to, be, um, to get herself healthy. And who knows, maybe down the road awesome. she's able to be more, in more in his life at a capacity. But until then, it's just the, the best thing for him is to just be around uh, my mom and my brothers all play yeah. a really strong role as far as like male male uh, figures for him and that as yeah. well.
1: So, Yeah. So, yeah, um, let's talk about your family dynamic. So you're the oldest of two brothers. Your mom yep. is – what does your mom do out there? And my, is, mom, my, mom,
0: my mom lives in Whidbey Island still in Washington. My yeah, mom okay. was a nurse. My mom was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And she was the director of the hospital's home health program. So she – for years, um, she – was responsible for you know coordinating people to live at home and seek and still receive medical treatment. a lot of older folks who couldn't go to the hospital and needed treatment, so she coordinated that when you live in a small community that's very spread out it's it, it's really hard for uh, the elderly to get to medical appointments so they don't they typically don't end right. up going and then it it they just get worse and worse. So she did that. My father right. was a civil right. My father was a civil rights attorney. So he and mm-hmm. he would do discrimination law and workers' compensation. And he worked in Seattle, but he had an office on Whidbey Island. And they moved to Whidbey because they didn't want Seattle to. Or they just didn't want to raise kids in, in the, the city. city. And my my mom grew yeah. up kind of vi- visiting Whidbey Island, and she really liked it. My mom quit being a nurse when I was five years old. Because she had my brother Killian at that point, and there was just three little wild boys. It was a lot to handle. And my dad started doing well enough where, you know, all that and taking care of a farm, you know, when you just got a, a bunch of horses and animals, it's very difficult to mm-hmm. do anything. You know, your free time ends up being just cleaning up after animals and kids. So she decided to stop working as a nurse and just kind of. She she had time. She'd train horses and she'd do. Um, she'd do things, you know, uh, related to horses for for money. But my dad was uh, he was he was he worked um, up until 2010, and that's when he quit mm-hmm. being a lawyer.
1: Why like he quit being a lawyer?
0: Well, equipping a lawyer. As, I mean, it's an interesting story. He quit being a lawyer because okay. he got in trouble for. I mean, he got convicted of mail fraud, which is. Kind of a missing, it's a misleading thing because it wasn't mail fraud. It was that's kind of a global charge for the federal government. But what happened was is he was spending too much money to help clients who couldn't pay their upfront fees and their legal fees and specialists and things. And he was using trust fund money, which is illegal. And um, he had some cases not go the way he wanted them to. And he ran out of money in his trust, which is illegal. Uh, and so, right. So he. And he and you know to my dad's testament he never he never admitted he never said he wasn't guilty he said I screwed up this is what happened he he did he withdrew from the bar and he ended up doing four years in uh four years in a federal prison um Aww. in he was in Oregon for a few years then he went to um he was in let would say he was in Oakland for about five weeks and then he was in Long Beach California for. I think two years. So it was it was great having him in California because we we could see him a lot. And and now right. he's out. He's out of prison and awesome. He's doing he's doing really well. He lives in Seattle. He's getting his chemical dependency counselor certificate or license. He's already got wow. all the coursework done. He's got the coursework done now. He's just working on the uh, on the license on the, um, mm-hmm. yeah on the hours he needs. So he's working at a, yeah. a homeless shelter. Yeah now that does a lot with chemical dependency and um he's got a completely different more realistic view on the world and some and his goal yeah. now and i is to work into in prison reentry and help inmates that you know help the people that he met in prison and he met a lot of people and he tried to help people cuz he's a very intelligent person to mm-hmm. kind of game plan their reentry into from you know from the prisons it's you know when i worked in massachusetts i worked at and i know we'll talk about it eventually but NAMI Mass National Alliance on Mental Illness and I worked on a lot of policies and there's um, one of them ironically for me in my own life was um, in prison mental health and it was the mental mm-hmm. health you know and and, and mental health parity I know we'll talk about that but it's it, it was the, the staggering lack of mental health treatments for inmates and what that does is it just completely destroys their ability to ever re-enter into society in a productive manner and there and, and you know leads to higher recidivism rates. So when my dad was in prison, he spent a lot of time researching recidivism, educating himself, re- developing reentry plans for other inmates as well as himself. And he literally has gotten out of prison and executed his own reentry plan 100% to the letter right now. Where he got out, he did his halfway house time, he did his home detention time, he um, he was in school the whole time. He he's now in an internship and going to get his chemical dependency license. And then he's, his next step is to get a job and to start working with inmates on how to stay out, stay out of, you know, Mm -hmm. reoffending and going back to prison because at the end of the day, the less we, the less we invest in, in uh, preventative measures to help, you know, to help inmates not go back to prison, the worse it's going to be for everybody, including, you know, the money in the community as well. So, Okay. Yeah, but, a lot of
1: people. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching Orange Is the New Black, and you know, and I, I understand it's fiction, but there was an inmate that got out, and she didn't know how to handle it, so she came back mm-hmm. in. And so I know what you're talking about when you say that. I mean, I don't know, like
0: by experience, but I understand what you mean. But
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing. I watched the first season. I haven't seen the other ones because now they're becoming fiction. Um, you know the stories yeah, being more outlandish yeah. and things, but but it's amazing right. to me watching the first season and also having a parent at the same time who was in mm-hmm. prison and watching the first season and 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 hearing his stories. We'd go visit him every week if, and when he was in California, or every month or so when he was in Oregon. But hearing his stories about the culture on the inside and the people cool. who you know the things they say and the and the terminology is all spot on. You know, uh, they, mm-hmm. and it's very, it's very subtle. Things like you get a shot They'll say, that, and they don't explain oh, right. you what a shot is. You have to mm-hmm. like, listen, you have to, you have to look, you like a shot. What do they get a shot for? That seems weird. they're just giving people shots. Yeah. But a shot is a, shot's a shot write-up. Um, yeah. But to so, yeah. make that, to make that show legitimate, they'd say a shot or, you know, they'd say, yeah, the, yeah they'd say, or like the shoe. Going in the shoes. A secure yeah. housing unit. Yeah. And so, and mm-hmm. then also the bartering stuff. You know, the barter, the barter economy is very real, in yep. um, in low, and it's it's real in all prisons. But Orange is the New Black was exactly the tip was exactly the level of prison that my father was in at the same exact time. So it's an interesting kind of look on the things that you know. I don't know what his prison on the inside looked. I just know what he explained it to me. But it looks a lot like right. what they were using as their set, and. I, you know, and the, just the interactions of the people also fascinating to me on a different level. He hasn't seen that show yet, I don't think. Mm. I wonder. It's I, probably I, I a little too wondered, real for him, you know. It might be, but you know, he. I tell him this every day. You know, he he lives in Pioneer Square in Seattle. He lives in my old apartment, and Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle has a ton of homeless people and a ton of people who have been in and out of the correctional system, and you know. Yeah, he told me a story the other day where he walked by a large man on the bus, and the guy, um, the guy had a meltdown on him because they kind of bumped into each other. My dad tried to apologize, and this guy just kept yelling like he was gonna beat him up on the bus. And then my dad, mm-hmm. said in his, and my dad said that in his mind, he heard me telling him, "Hey, man, these are your clients. These are the people you're gonna work with. You know, tough exterior. Uh, they're not just you know. It's the same thing. It's that it's that culture of of." uh just fronting. You're tough, you know. And then he mm-hmm. simply walked by the man to get off the bus. He said, "Excuse me." The guy was like, "Oh, have a good day." They just they squashed the beef wow. in 30 seconds. But it is one of those, right. you know, these are your, these are your clients. It's not the the world of mental health and the world of um, uh, you know recidivism and um, mm-hmm. homeless and social services. It's not a it's it's not a glorious world, but it's very necessary. But it's it's real. You you read it in books. That's fine when you get in the trenches you realize like mental health has it's it's not you can't just diagnose it like a cold and give somebody some Benadryl or whatever. It's every treatment plan has to be specific and they and sometimes they don't work and things have to be tweaked and you know. It's just you're always on your toes. Right. Wow your family sounds
1: so amazing, you know, like everybody's doing something so important, including yourself. And you know when, because I'm gonna explain. Brian and I talk like I don't know, not every day, but we talk pretty regularly. And yeah, I we post the every every
0: once yeah, in a while. Yeah,
1: yeah. I would say we're friends.
0: Um, oh, I, I definitely, but, Emily, you're definitely a friend. You're definitely aw, a friend. You're sweet.
1: I mean, more than friends, obviously, but let's just start off with friends, <laughs> you know. Sure, of course, um, of course, of course. You put up a picture of your dad, and you you guys are crying, and I'm like, who is this guy? And you're like, oh, that's my dad. And the thing is, guys, he's like, he'll answer me, but he'll, like, he'll answer me and then go away. So he's like, I said, oh, it's your dad. Well, what's going on? He goes, he got out of prison. I'm like, wait, what? And then I didn't hear yeah. from him for, like, a week. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, uh... What? What? Having heard the full story, I know this sounds weird, but I think that is the weirdest crime to go to um, jail for. It sounds like he was trying to help the better, good with his actions, but yes, it did
0: sure
1: foul up. But it's, I mean, just it's, like it's, wow,
0: that's awesome. Man.
1: It's the typical
0: things it, like hard, it never right. meant to yeah. never meant never to right. hurt anybody, never meant to do anything mm-hmm. wrong. Right. But also right. and he and I have had a lot of humbling conversations about it, but it it's a, he learned a very important lesson and, and I think we can all learn this mm-hmm. lesson. And I've learned this lesson from right. him, which is you can never be too proud to ask for help from somebody when right. let's say you you were you things have gotten out of control, you, you gotta suck up that ego and you gotta say, Hey, I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not in a position to be able to do all the work that I want to do in the manner that I want to do it so i need I need help doing this, but I think it's a hard mm-hmm. for a lot of people, especially you know i'll say i 'll say especially with men I think men
1: we mm-hmm. we're,
0: we're ra we're, men are raised to be very don't ask for help don't ask for directions you got it you can figure it out you know it' you know you're a pussy if you ask for directions or show emotion or anything exactly. like that so I think it's an important lesson learned for everybody that you know, that snowball started out small, and by the end of it, mm-hmm. when you actually got in trouble for something that you didn't really even, it was illegal, but you were trying to do the right thing with the right with people in mind, and by the end of it, it becomes this huge, massive boulder that plows you over, and it could have been stopped yep. so much earlier. Right. Yeah, and um,
1: it's funny you say that about, you know, health, because I know you probably don't even remember this, But after Robin Williams um, committed suicide, you were the first person I thought of. And I'm like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And you're like, "Um, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, you sure you're not depressed or anything? And you're like, no. And I can hear you, like, look, I I can, like, picture you at your computer or on your phone, like, what the fuck is she talking about? Like, I'm fine. But that's why I reached out to you
0: because, well,
1: sometimes I know that
0: that's, you know, hard to talk about, but. Sure. And I appreciate that. You know it's funny, I got a yeah. lot of people who reached out to me uh as a comedian because yeah. okay. they don't know comedians. And you know what's you know what's right. interesting about Robin Williams is and, and this goes back to mental health again and I learned a lot. I spent four years in undergrad studying mental health and two years in graduate school studying mental health and worked a lot in the field and people don't understand mental illness. They don't get it. They don't understand how mm-hmm. and that's the thing that's scary when people when someone like Robin Williams commits suicide because of mental illness, people even on my radio show that I was hosting at the time in Seattle, my co-host—I don't want to say I had to school him on the air, but I had to school him on the air because he said, "How, mm. how can this guy? How can this guy be depressed? He's—he's he's done movies. He's a multimillionaire. He's everybody loves him. He's a famous person." And I, I want and I told him that doesn't matter to mental illness. Mental illness mm-hmm. doesn't. Yeah. Mental illness doesn't. It, it, when you when you are, when you have a mental illness and you're bipolar or you have severe. Um, you have severe depression that's genetic and it's a chemical thing you don't your your depression doesn't logically step back and say oh well i've got 5 million dollars in my checking account and i've been in five movies your your depression doesn't say that your depression right. your depression will find a way because it's it's internal you feel depressed you feel alone it has nothing to do with how rich and famous you are and I think it, you know if anything could be learned from Robin Williams' death, and I know there's been some other comedians who have committed suicide who were very successful. It's that we think that those things will make a difference. That money will make a difference. That I'm just sad or depressed right. because I'm that I'm poor. It's not it has nothing to do with that. Some of the poorest people in the world right. can be some of the happiest people in the world. You just have to be content with where you're at. And when it's a chemical thing, it's frustrating because. And I know, I know when it comes to mental health parity and health insurance and I know even now it's not even it's not a perfect system, but we're just now in the in the late two or the early two thousands, you know, what is it, two thousand uh ten, I think maybe eleven when mental health parity started making a big push, but it's taken that long for people to even be able to come to wrap their brain around the fact that mental illness is organic. It's just like a cancer. It's it's not something that you can just walk off, you know. Right. Wow, you're you're like so much
1: deeper than I thought. <laughs> you know, when when you look <laughs> at you you're like, oh he's funny, oh he's hot but you don't think that there's like more past that. And that's not an insult. It's just and then you talk to you and I mean I personally know you're so like you're so much more than just funny and
0: look. So well, I appreciate that. I, I think that it's, it was a really, part of me thinks that going to school to get my master's degree in social work was the biggest waste of financial time in my life because I don't do, I technically don't do social work. I don't, I owe money right. for student loans still. But I think when it comes to right. developing my brain and who I am and what I think about things, I think getting my master's degree in social work is probably the greatest thing I ever did. And Having the ability to work on policies, you know, to to work in Byron Rushing's office in the Massachusetts State House and and be a part of the first gay marriage bill, to work on that a little Mm -hmm. bit. I mean, I didn't work a lot on it, but I was in his office when they were writing, drafting it, and we were reading it, and we were putting an input, and they were taking it to 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 the State House floor for votes, that kind of thing. Or when it comes to working on mental health parity or even prison reform, a lot of things that i think are very important in the grand scheme of society i got to do all that stuff just be you know just in my education i i remember i lobbied for uh i lobbied against casinos in massachusetts because i think they're awful for the community Mm. They're not they make they make money for the government but what they bring to the community are terrible
1: yeah yeah i agree um, speaking of the mental health parity, I just want to
0: yeah. kind of
1: talk about this and then like talk about some lighter topics. Um, sure. When I first told yeah, we don't you, need to, because, We don't need to like make, I said,
0: make social work. But...
1: No. <laughs> we won't, we won't, I promise. But when, right. you were the, one of the first people that I actually told about transitioning in December of last year. And when I did, I let you know that my insurance, you know, was... It had a writer on it where I could pay for it and all that. You were like, "Wait a minute! I worked on that. I got that there." So I yeah, that I in, for I sure. Was like, all right. You went from you know celebrity crush to celebrity husband like real quick. <laughs> you know, like that was amazing. And I just <laughs> well, thank you. I just want to thank you for your hard work and and not hard work. I, I appreciate that. So
0: well, and you know what I mean. I, and I. It, it feels great, actually. And uh, yeah, I remember when I when you told me that, that's when we kind of made that mm-hmm. connection. I thought to myself, well, this is really yes. cool. Because I didn't, a lot of times in social work, I think a lot of people forget this, is that the efforts you're doing, you're, you're putting in now, they don't have the direct mm-hmm. payoff, you know? It's not like right. stand-up comedy, right? I can go on stage and I can tell a joke and I know right away I, the payoff. It's more mm-hmm. that you have to put in work now for the benefit of... People, you know, way down the road, people that you may never encounter, mm-hmm. and it's nice to, to to have developed a friendship with you, been a part of that process, mm-hmm. and then to real to make the the connection that oh wow, well that mental health parity law that allows, and I think it would be ridiculous if they don't, but allows insurance provides the coverage for mm-hmm. you to, to be the person that you are, is mm-hmm. really unique because not you know, not a lot of career fields get that. They don't get to. They don't experience the long term payoff, and I think it's great. And also, you say that you know that our hard work. I think it's so much harder to do, to, to go through the things that you know that people, and I'm not going to speak for you, but people who are transitioning, who have finally decided I'm going to you know be the person that I am, um, finally decided that they're going to live their life like that.
1: Yeah, I um, I just think that it's amazing that there are moments in people's lives where you meet somebody and you become friends and you have that moment and, and you can't really place, you know, you're like, I don't know why we're friends. That, I think, was the moment that kind of solidified us. You know, I, I really, really sure. believe that because I think I looked at you differently. I think you looked at me differently and it was just, Pretty
0: awesome moment. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I I think it's wow. fun to, uh, and I and I know if you look at like this, um, how I met you through my brother's movie and just a
1: a friendship. Mm-hmm.
0: I was I really respect what you what you the decisions you made for yourself and the process. And of course, it's not you're not even close to, the, you know, all the the, the person you are going to be. But every day, I'm sure, is a, right. a ever changing process of being who you've always been in your heart. Absolutely. And that's, that's that's very admirable. Thank you. Yeah,
1: and the next I, discussion is, like, do I have to change my last name to Mood? I mean, I
0: don't know. <laughs> I know Mood, kind of like, hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. We'll see. Listen, listen <laughs> Mood is not a name I would put on anybody. It's just too short. It's punchy. It sounds like someone's torturing somebody. There. Moot. I know people I don't are gonna listen, people listening people are listening to this like is this guy funny at all or is he just gonna <laughs> drone on and on about mental health and uh, stop it and social he's services. very funny. So some yeah, of the some
1: lighter YouTube topics hits. that I mentioned. Um, yes, yeah, your YouTube page, which is what?
0: What do you search moot for? Moot comedy. It's it's moot comedy. Okay. M O O T E comedy. I so, think I have another old school page too if you want to see old stand up clips. I think it's Brian K moot. If you want to see my stand up from the early from the mid two thousands, which I should probably just delete.
1: And if you want to um see his what he's doing now, see more pictures of those baby glutes, you can go to um com. Yeah,
0: that's the um, website or Facebook is moot comedy or Twitter is yeah. moot points. I had to take moot points on Twitter just for the hilarity of the pun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love the pun. I really do. Um, at first, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, got it. Um, right, right. Give me a minute. Um, how did you go from social work and all this, like, and I'm sorry, it's seriously important stuff, but comedy. Like, is that something yeah. that you've
0: always thought of? Um, No, not no. at all. See, growing up on a farm, we didn't have cable. Um, we oh. didn't have... We didn't have TV. I remember the first the first joke I ever saw was uh, was by Bill Burr, and it was when I was a junior in high school, and it was a joke about spell check and about how what you know the the feeling you get when you try to spell a word and spell check's like I got nothing. I don't know what you're trying to spell. It's like that no replacements on your phone. Where you're you know, uh, every time I try to spell the word unnecessary, it just says no replacement. Just doesn't even know what I'm trying. I can't even get enough letters right to make a to make a Jeopardy guess or to make a, a Wheel of Fortune best guess at the word. So yeah. I didn't I didn't really even know stand up comedy was a thing. I'd, I'd heard of Seinfeld, I'd seen Seinfeld, but I didn't know comedy clubs or anything. I went to college and played basketball, and I think that's where I started to just really enjoy you know uh making jokes and telling stories and making my friends laugh and my senior year of college I decided I was going to be I was going to try open mic stand up comedy because I, I the only mm-hmm. comic I had seen live at that point was Dave Chappelle at the Ontario improv in California and I decided okay after seeing after seeing Dave Chappelle I decided I'm going for it I'm going to try it uh and uh I went to an open mic in Los Angeles with the girl that I was dating at the time, and Air. I didn't I didn't get on I didn't get on they just didn't Aww. they didn't I put my name in the bucket and they didn't draw my name and I didn't know how it worked and then and then I kind of got nervous and I just we just left anyway went back to, which Aww. I'm glad I did I'm glad I didn't do stand up in LA it would have ruined me um, I went to I moved back to Seattle to work in special ed. So I was a special ed teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked in an autism class in Kent, Washington. This is also when I started to really appreciate morning radio because for the first time in my life, I was driving every single day. And it was awful, and I hated it, and the job was so (laughs) stressful. The job was so stressful, and I I really developed a love and appreciation for what morning radio is, which is the ability to just entertain people and take them away from there their commute every day. So I worked in special ed and I, kind of know. I just kind of, I kind of put comedy. I kind of forgot about it for about five months. And then I started writing jokes and one day I decided to go to an open mic and it went okay. I guess I, I felt like it went really good at the time, but that's just because I didn't bomb, but I just, it was, I wasn't good at being on stage and mm-hmm. I would probably go once a week um, I'd skip every once in a while. Wow. Uh I had I had a girlfriend up there when I got back and we uh I would look for any reason to not go to stand up and do stand up and she would encourage me to do it. Ultimately she ended up hating stand up because it ended up becoming a thing I did every single night and I never saw her really, so she wasn't a fan just of that bitch. after a while. But she actually yeah, just it. Hate- well, I don't blame her. I mean she was she did deal with me going through my awful, you know, in uh opening phases of my stand-up career which were not good um actually the the guy who really got me into stand-up um myself and jeff guy he's on um nbc's i can do that i don't want to name drop too much Mm -hmm. but he's also shooting a show in asia um called better late than never with um terry bradshaw and harry winkler and william shatner and george foreman he's traveling with them and he uh he saw me the first night I did stand-up because it was his first night, too, and he thought I was funny. And one day I was trying to sneak out of the comedy club after my set, and he stopped me, and he told the club owner, he's like, hey, this guy's really funny. You should put him in your contest. And so they put me in the contest, and I didn't I didn't win, but I did so mm-hmm. well. I almost moved on to the finals, and I uh, they let me... Host the finals. I got to MC the whole finals. Now, granted, I didn't wow. know you could tell the same. Jo- I didn't know you could tell the same jokes twice. I mean, it's just a local comedy club contest, but it was right. a pretty big deal for us at the time. But I didn't know you could tell the same jokes more than one time. So every single show I did for the first two shows, I did brand new sets, and it kind of went okay. And the club owner was like, mm-hmm. "Hey, why don't you do that one joke about naming your penis George Bush," which is a joke <laughs> I. Used to, Jesus. I Ah, and I just use a bunch of pol- I use a bunch of political references and about yeah. using based on the Iraqi War and all that stuff, and it, it used to just kill. And I uh, I was like, oh, I already told that joke last week. He said, well, yeah, tell it again. It's awesome. Uh, I said, well, I already told it. He said, that's not how comedy works, dummy. You're supposed to get your jokes good. You don't just <laughs> yeah. tell the same. And I thought to myself, I was like, okay, well, I guess that makes a lot of sense. I probably could have figured that out eventually. I feel like a smart person. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was, is after that one year working in the autism class, I started mm-hmm. doing shows at night and getting paid on the road, and so I became a substitute in uh, elementary special ed K through five, and I would work when I wasn't doing shows at night. If I was getting paid to do a show, I would not call in to be a sub, and so I worked all over the Seattle school district in every kind of class you can imagine, from behavior disorder to severe developmental disability, um, really became frustrated with the lack of resources for special education and for the students. Mm -hmm. So I decided Mm -hmm. after two years in Seattle, I decided I wanted to move to a city where I could get a master's in social work and work in policy and um, also do stand-up every single night. And it became, my two options were Boston or New York. And I decided Boston because New York scared me. I was too scared. I would have, maybe if I would have moved to New York, I would have, on one hand, I may be farther along in my comedy career, because I know they're a bigger industry town, but I would be less of the person that I am now. I wouldn't have been able to do the things that I've done, or been able to be a part Mm -hmm. of, not done, just been a part of, in Boston. So. Moved out here, did that, did stand-up every night, and then when I got out of school, moved to L.A., started doing stand-up there, did a couple MTV prank shows with Jeff, Die, and did a couple of TV things for stand-up, and still trying to do that, and then then booked a radio show to Seattle and hosted radio. And uh, now I'm back in Los Angeles and doing radio part-time in Seattle whenever it's available, and then trying to get back on television for stand-up. I guess that's my whole career in a nutshell. Awesome. So, and at some point along the way, I was in my brother's movie about an undersized penis. Yeah.
1: And I always, I think I may have said to him once, "Is this, the reason why Brian's not featured because his dong is like ginormous compared to yours?" Like,
0: <laughs> I think I may have know, said we, that
1: before too.
0: We've never, <laughs> we've never done a side by side comparison. I've never done that with.
1: Okay, that's, that's
0: that's good. So I have no idea. I have no idea where I fall.
1: I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I'd be jealous. And, you know, it's it's really hard for me to, like, have to choose between which brother. I
0: mean, I can't, I can't, I can't him, imagine, I've never talked to him. I can't imagine him, so. the stress you're under must be unbearable.
1: Uh, you have no idea. Plus, then it's like you have you three hot brothers, and then you have the three Scott brothers who are hot. So it's like, who do I choose? Like, uh, I, I realize so- how stressful it must have been from Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice, you know, like, I get it. I get it, girl. Like, it's tough. It's so tough, you know, like, the Scott brothers or the Moot brothers. And then when you choose the Moot, which Moot do I like? Oh, my God, so stressful.
0: You know what? Don't don't rush um, into anything, you know? Just just be, just just, yeah. support, just love. You can love and support all of us, Emily.
1: I know, but I kind of have, you know, like, Thing for you, and you know that. Well, don't. So like, you don't. I don't uh, want to make Pat and I don't want to make Pat and Killian too jealous. True. Well, I've never talked to Killian, so he's not gonna be jealous. But Pat, he did seem mm. a little, you know, he did seem a little pissed. He really got pissed I uh-huh. told him that he shouldn't smoke. He was pissed. He was like I know I shouldn't smoke. Shut up. So he's. Really yeah, everyone that. says
0: that. So you're. Everyone <laughs> says
1: that. You're not alone on that so, so I feel like we've learned. Like, ton about you, like a ton. Yeah. I want to know something that's like you probably have never revealed openly and it's just like a fun, crazy fact about yourself. Give it to me right now. Oh, you
0: ambushed me. I don't even know. I'd have to think. Um, (laughs) I did. I know. I don't want to have to think while the show's going. Um, Let's see. I, uh... Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I, t- I don't talk about it a lot, but I mean, growing up, I had monster body identity issues because of my, well, my mom used to say that I grew like an accordion, and she she said yeah. I'd be real fat. I'd get, I know she thought it was really cute to say that, and I thought it was awful. Aww. So she would say, yeah, she would say that I grew like an accordion, where I, one day I'd be real fat, and then the next day I'd be real skinny. And she could always tell when mm-hmm. I was about to have a growth spurt because I'd be real fat. But what is frustrating about that is that when you're a kid you don't you don't think that. You just think mm-hmm. you're gonna be yeah. fat forever and you're just completely miserable and bummed out and you're not you know you, like you know, there'd be some summers, yep, was, well, yeah, some summers. Well yeah, and some summers there's for sure I was swimming with a T shirt you know. on. That was T shirt swimming summers, you know? Uh mm-hmm. so I'd say some of that and then just you know, didn't always have the greatest skin. So those are all the things that you just, as a kid, you're like, oh, God, this is awful. You just wish you, you know, that you shouldn't be frustrated about it. And people tell you that, oh, don't worry about it forever. You'll be fine. But you, as a child, you, you don't trust in that. You don't trust those old people. They don't right. know what they're talking about. And then you posted a picture a while
1: ago. Um, and it was, I think, the first picture I was like, oof. um you were in the pool, and you were, like, in your trunks, and you were sitting down, and you had your eyes closed, and you were laughing. You had, like, a hat on. You were shirtless in your swim trunks. And I was like, Jesus, uh, you look um, hot. And you're like, hmm, I look fat. <laughs> and I'm like,
0: what? Yeah. Well, I, I still struggle with those body that. images a little bit. I, I think that, you know, when you have those as a young person, then you always kind of, you have to keep them in check a little bit. But, I don't know, that was, a, yeah. yeah, that was in... That was, I was going to, that's actually a fun story. I was going to stage, I was going to Stagecoach in um, Coachella, California, which is, um, or, you know, Palm Springs area. It's uh, a big country music festival. And I've mm-hmm. tried in the last couple of years to make sure that I don't just always do stand-up and things like that. I I try to reconnect with friends from college and, you know, be part of their life and meet their kids mm-hmm. and, and go out to their houses and stuff. And so all my college friends were going to go to, stagecoach, and I couldn't go the first, I couldn't go Friday, I came out Saturday late afternoon, um, and and then I, I didn't have a ticket either, so I was trying to find a ticket for the Sunday, I ended up just sneaking in with them, and I got in through, through the security gates, so that was pretty cool, because I'm not that kind of guy, I don't usually like have the courage to sneak in through a big music festival gate. But we were all at the, it was really fun that whole day. We were that, you know, until 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we were just drinking beer and screwing around in a swimming pool on a golf course at a nice little house that they rented. And I don't really ever do that. I'm not, I don't take a lot of vacation. I'm kind of just always working. Right. So it was one of my more favorite vacations. And it was silly because it was only two days, three days. Mm-hmm. You look like you were so, having a blast yeah I was laughing about something. I don't remember what it was. I, they caught me in mid laugh Oh I was, you know what it was I was trying I to that. I was trying to sit on this pool toy upside down, and it was just impossible. is yeah. what it was so but, but no, it was fun and I, it reminded me that I need to do those and I think everybody does I'd say that to everybody listening right now is that um and I people get caught up and focused on their in professional endeavors, but don't forget to just. Every once in a while, I'll go out and try to ride a pool toy upside down and see how that works. You know, <laughs> just,
1: no, but yeah, I just fun. love the candidness of it. You know, you were so candid. Yeah, was, you were so like in the moment. I I love those pictures of you because you have a lot of those. I love them. They're
0: my favorite. Every actually. once in a while, I'll have a good one. I like in my Instagram ends up just being pictures of my dogs mainly. Mainly my mm. dog Moxie is. She ends up being Who looks sort of like you, which is weird. Yeah, she's got some wacky eyes. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Some cra- just crazy, crazy eyes and a tongue that yeah, never goes back in now. her mouth. mhm, Just like Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> just a wacky kid, wacky <laughs> little kid.
1: Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm so inappropriate. Um, what was I going to say to you? I totally lost chain of thought. I just keep thinking about your dog.
0: <laughs> Dang it, we're on we're how, on the air right now. You can't go. I know. Getting your train of thought, Emily. Your professional blog talk radio host.
1: I can't help it. You're just you and those. I can see the blue eyes now. and It's just like don't
0: don't far. you don't you blame me for this, okay?
1: It is your fault. Um, what do you do in your downtime? Because you sound like you have the busiest life ever. Besides, you know, visiting your friends and stuff.
0: What is Yeah, I don't. Do? I, I think I run. I like running. I like running a lot and I've just started getting back mm-hmm. into the gym a little more to lift weights, but for a long time I, I ran a marathon one year and I ran I ran a, I ran a couple um, half marathons and uh done some other I like 5k's and stuff like that. I did a, a mm-hmm. firefighter stair climb with the with the fire department nice. in Seattle uh to raise money I, I like to i like to exercise I'd say is really what I do in my downtown. I don't really have a lot of that I think the the problem with being a self employed entertainer is that you're always trying to work, so mm-hmm. you know you can't I feel like it's ridiculous to take time off because i'm self employed and it's like I'm paying myself not to work if I'm taking time off so and with that and the travel, you know, this week's been a little crazy. I was in New York for three days for some meetings and did a show at Caroline's Comedy Club on Broadway and Times Square and then caught a bus up from Boston or from New York to Boston today and tonight I'm at the comedy studio in Harvard Square tomorrow. Comedy studio, Saturday Framingham State University, and then Sunday I'm back in Los Angeles. So it's kind of you end up living out of a bag a lot. And uh mm-hmm. It's fun, but I try to make sure that I slow down and enjoy wherever I'm at, be in the moment, get out of your phone more. I think we all need to do that. I'm trying to get as much as I love social media for my ability to or not my ability but my kind of the privilege of being able to communicate with people all over the world or a country that i've never that I don't know very well but that appreciate what I do is such a gift, but on the other hand, if you're in your phone too much. And I'm totally not saying this judgy because I'm in my phone way too much. If you're in your phone too much, there's all sorts of stuff happening everywhere around you that you're completely missing out on because you're too busy trying to see who just liked your photo, you know, or who just commented on this. So I think my, uh, I hope that person's not getting murdered behind you. Um, my, and if they are, you can take a break from the show and I'll just keep talking and you can go save them. Um, I uh, My New Year's resolution every year is to be less on my phone and more in the moment of life. So yeah. trying to get out of that habit of being, you know, so accessible. I think it's great that technology has made us accessible, accessible but yeah. it's also that accessibility exactly. has come with a little bit of an obsession. We all are obsessed with, you know, our online personas and things like that.
1: Yeah, but I think that a lot of this mentality, though, is from your upbringing as well. You know, like you were out playing when other people were inside watching cartoons. Yeah, you know,
0: very much. And I think my that mom that made us. She that's part she of. Would, yeah, she would literally yell at us to go outside and build a fort in the woods. And it's like, oh thank right. god! Why can't I just play video games? We weren't allowed to have video <laughs> games until we were in high school. Wow. And she finally broke. Down. She finally broke down, and we got. Uh, uh, we got, how old was it? We got uh, Sega Genesis when I was a freshman in high school. and it was, it was too little, too late. PlayStation's already out.
1: Yeah. That's awesome, though. I mean, that's the best childhood. Even myself, like, I can remember being outside playing more than being inside playing with my toys. I didn't have a lot sure. of toys. So, yeah. my friends and I, we grew up in, like, this um, apartment complex where... It wasn't until I got older I realized it was actually housing. But mm-hmm. we played outside so much. It was so much fun. And it was like all the kids in the neighborhood, we would play Jason at, like, nighttime. We would run around in the daytime and play in the summer. It was amazing. And these kids today have no idea what this is about. They play my Oh, class, yeah, for sure. it. it's Like, crazy. Um, before we wrap it up, because we're almost at an hour, I know you have to get to your show. Um... What is on the horizon for you next after, you,
0: um, after well, you're done with your I, tour? I'm, I'll be back in Los Angeles. We are going to Disneyland yep. on Monday. The whole Mook family is uh, so Killian oh, nice. Patrick. Um, my mom will be there. My dad will be there. And my godson, Ray, will all be going to Disneyland on Monday. To, he's never been on an airplane, so that happens tomorrow. He flies, and then he'll be going to Disneyland. I'm sure that'll blow his mind. His little 8-year-old mind will be blown mm-hmm. by beaches and... And uh, we'll probably ruin him for life, and he'll probably never want to go back to Seattle. So, we're doing that. Uh, as far <laughs> as like what I'm doing professionally is just working yeah. on trying to get. I, I do, you know, f- news talk radio in Seattle on Cairo Radio, which is a, a wonderful news talk station, ninety-seven-three FM or Radio dot com or Cairo A I R O Radio dot com. And so, if I'm ever, if you look, if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, I always post when I'm going to be on, and I love to discuss anything, really. I'm a comic, so I can just ramble forever. But doing that, and I'm also trying to get my own, another radio show, whether it's, you know, ideally New York or Los Angeles, but, you know, we never know what will happen. i had some good meetings this week, and other than that, just trying to continue doing stand-up and telling jokes at clubs and colleges across the country and trying to make people laugh. Yeah. And
1: I don't want you to get jealous, because I know how your temper is, but um, you could <laughs> always temper. do your temper is like insane. You have this Irish temper. You could always do what um, someone we both know, Adam Ray, oh. does: have your own podcast. And I know, oh I know, yeah, I know. But he, he's your that backup I... in case you and
0: I don't work out. You know, I love that. Adam Ray is one of my favorite dudes on the planet. Seattle guy, love yeah, him. He's hilarious. Check him out, Adam Ray, AdamRayTV.tv. I, uh, I, you know what's funny? I will be at some point. I'm building a, ra- I'm building a new studio in Los Angeles, my brother's house, and we're gonna, we're gonna do a podcast. I think, but it's gonna be more. It'll be a podcast that sounds like a talk radio show. So it'll be more structure, less just, uh, mm-hmm. less podcasty, more radio-ish. Just because that's where I want hey. to be back. I want to be back on the air doing news talk radio or. Entertaining people on morning drive on FM. So, don't you worry, Emily. And stuff is coming. For, stuff is coming from us. We just got to gear up for it. I don't want you to have to
1: compete with Adam because you know
0: <laughs> I love you both. <laughs> we'll have. I love you both. Yeah, we'll have him on. We'll have him on one of my first episodes. Oh
1: man, it's gonna be tough. It's like Sophie's twice all over again. Like, what the <laughs> heck are you doing?
0: You know, just. Take it one day at a time, Emily. That's all you can do. Oh,
1: uh, my gosh. Well, like I said, I did want to um, let you go to your, your comedy show, but thank you
0: for coming on
1: the show. It was amazing talking
0: to you. You know, I, I heard Jake you. Thanks for a having lot. me. You, you're, you're a sweetheart. Thank awesome you. congratulations. And congratulations. congratulations on thank all the you. stuff you're doing. It's, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to watch. So good. Good to see.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're
0: awesome. All right,
1: so, Thank you. again, if you want to check him out, go to his website. It's com. That's M-O-O-C-E, comedy. I'm scared if you don't know how to spell comedy, but c-o-m-e-d-y.com. You can also follow him. Now, and I asked this other, um, I interviewed somebody else. Interviewed. Do you want your fans to follow you on all social media or just, like,
0: one or two Sure, they can follow me on whatever they want to, any and all of it. Some of them, okay. um, you know, I, I try to tweet jokes on where we'll be at, and on uh, Instagram I try to put up okay. some, some good pictures, cool pictures, and just goofy-ass pictures of my dogs. So. Okay,
1: so you can follow him on Instagram, which is Mood Comedy. Mood Comedy. You can follow, it's all Mood Comedy except for Twitter, on, and Twitter's Mood Point. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter's Mood Point, and you can also, he does have a Facebook page, right? Yep. Oh. yep. So Brian moved and um. Yep. I think you're verified too, babe, aren't you? I
0: am. I'm a public. Per- I'm a public figure. I'm verified public figure. I know. That's
1: big big right, change folks. is
0: happening for me in 2015. See, I didn't just pick
1: randomly. I picked the creme de la creme. All right. So. Thank you. You better. High. You better back off until I'm done with him. No one else can have him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, babe. Well, thank you for joining me tonight again. I appreciate it. And um, you're awesome. And keep doing what you're doing. And I support you
0: 100%. Thank you for having me.
1: Not a problem. And, guys, thanks for listening tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. And tweet him, tweet me. And have a good night. Bye, honey.
0: Still thirsty for more tea? Then check out our upcoming and archive shows right here on our Blog Talk radio page.
1: And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Spilled Tea and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Spilled Tea. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of The Spilled
0: Tea.